You're listening to Campfire Conversations, brought to you by Three Rivers Land Trust. Connected to the land, committed to conservation. I think I'm ready. So, first off, we're back. Sam and Cody. It's back to the Sam and Cody show, the way it should be. <laughs> it was hijacked, but uh, hopefully you got some good information on the last podcast that Sam and I were not able to provide. We generally provide less than helpful information <laughs> and more entertainment than information. So, hopefully you were able to glean something off that last show and uh, they were able to run you through what the Land Trust actually does and instead of just the stories that staff have. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, Travis had said that there's, which I, I'm going to be honest here. I, since I moved to Rowan County, I don't have my like podcast time anymore to really listen on my way to work. So why, I, why is that, Sam? That's just because I'm, I live 10 minutes away, man. That's it. Um, working on that house. Working on that house and cut down on my drive time. So I haven't even listened to their episode yet, which I need to. Um, oh, I get what you're saying. You don't have time to listen to podcasts. Yeah. What th- do you think I was saying? I was thinking record podcasts. No. And I was uh, like, well, where are we going with that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Travis did say that they were, I guess, teasing up some sort of news that we were going to give out about this show. Yeah. Which I think it's pretty pretty exciting. We're not really ones to toot our own horn. Um but I think it is cool, and it's more of a testament to um, y'all than us, really. But we are um, – there's some sort of ranking. Brian, you can fill in. Brian's got a mic today, permissions. Um, mic permissions. Mic permissions today. It's one of the greatest honors of my life and when Sam gives me mic permissions. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, Brian, would you mind filling the folks in, and then we'll, we'll kind of hop in as, as need be about what, what's going on with our show. Yeah, so we've been trying to – kind of look at analytics a little bit more about the kind of impact the podcast is having. And apparently we are in the top 150 natural science podcasts in the nation currently. And the number one, as far as we are aware, the number one land trust podcast in the nation. So there you have it. So that's all because of you, the listener, and your loyal support. And we appreciate that. That actually, whether you believe it or not, it's it's helpful when you leave those uh, reviews and the five stars, it's, it's extremely helpful in, in the ranking process, but also helpful in the dollar raising process. So it's something you can do for free. You get free a free hour or so of entertainment, and in return you leave a five-star review and a sweet comment, and it helps us out on the back end. Yeah, um, I, think that's, I think that's great. I think those rankings kind of fluctuate. Apparently we were up to like 70-something, 70 76 in that ranking in terms and then of I natural. Came, then I came back from Michigan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, you know, the more listens we have, that, that helps us out, and maybe it will help us generate sponsored dollars and um, keep this ball rolling. But I appreciate y'all listening. Thank you. Yeah, Thank we, you we certainly appreciate in. it. Keep it up. Keep up the reviews coming. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your folks. Mm-hmm. Tell your grandma. There's something for everyone on the show. That's right. Speaking of, speaking of uh, sponsors. There you go. How about it? Uh, we got a couple that we want to touch on today. Yeah, let's let's talk about this first one that we've not had on here before, mm-hmm. and it's still super new. There's going to be a promo code coming your way. So let me repeat: promo code coming your way for Traveler Trading Co. Traveler Trading Co. with two L's. Um, he Brock was uh, super the owner of the company. Super nice guy. Looks like the kind of guy that you want 
making your leather goods. Sweet. I'd agree. He came to the Conservation Classic. Yeah. Filson vest. Yeah, nice. nice pressed, ironed out, buttoned down shirt, leather goods, you know, for days. Uh, definitely is in the right profession. Yeah, I would say, like, you know, when we're talking about hip uplander, he's he's the hippest. He's the president of the hip uplander society. I liked him a whole lot. Yeah. He uh, he brought me he brought me this belt. It's the uh what's the title of this belt, Brian? Does he have a name for it yet? I don't think he has a name for it yet. Um you know what? Please pause. I'll uh look it up. Brian's gonna look it up while we're talking. But anyways, let me let me talk this belt up for just a minute. So I'm a belt wearer and as you should be too if you're an outdoors person. You should be carrying your your multi tool or your knife on your belt. And I do that. And the thing about a multi-tool is it's kind of a, a pants dragger. It's like a it's like a weight on your hip. I mean, it's not super heavy, but it's heavy enough that you can, if you wear it day in, day out, your belt's going to get a, a misshapen groove in it. And eventually it's not going to be comfortable. Well, this belt that he's come up with is some, some material from space that uh, <laughs> does not do that. And it's rigid enough that it'll hold your multi-tool upright, keep your pants on straight, and hold your hold your sidearm, hold your pistol on there if you carry a piece. Um, if you don't, it's nice enough just to wear around town. I mean, it's super nice. He's got all these different buckle finishes. The buckle's interchangeable, so you can put your big dinner plate bull riding buckle on there whenever you're going out on the town. Um, impress the ladies. <laughs> so, um, if you if you think mine hasn't been graced on this belt already, you're wrong. Michigan got to see what a Southern boy's dinner plate looks like. You've had this belt for like five days. <laughs> I've already ran, I've already ran the big buckle on it once. I hear you. Not not that we went anywhere to impress anyone, but I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna try out this other buckle yeah. on here. Wound up going back to the buckle it came with. It was just more comfortable. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's a sweet belt, and he's got all kinds of stuff: dog leads, couplers, key fobs, belts, wallets, you name it. Leather. Our buddy, our buddy at the Conservation Classic, Ed, reached out to him about getting some custom. Uh, saddle equipment, like a saddle bag and stuff, so he can. I think he can do some custom jobs. And he's all he's making all this stuff by hand um, with ancient tools. He showed up with a shotgun case that he Saw made himself it. at the yeah. conservation class. Yeah, that's pretty sick. But yeah, the belt's cool, and I'm actually wearing one right now as well. I think it's going to be. I was talking to him about it, and I think it's going to be perfect for sportsmen and folks in the field because it doesn't warp, hold yep. stuff, doesn't bleed, all that. Get so. it wet. It's still going to keep its shape. Yeah. I don't know. I just like it a whole lot. I've had a lot of belts. I ran a paratrooper belt for a long time, and this is better than that. It's a lot better than that. Brock Norris is his so, name. Traveler, Traveler Trade & Co. Look forward to a promo code for Traveler Trade & Co. If you need a belt or leather goods immediately, go ahead and reach out and let him know we sent you. But if you can hold on a minute, we'll have something for you. I got a tie-in to go music ahead. to that ad. Have you heard any of Coulter Wall's new album? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a song on there called Big Iron on Your Hip. With a big iron on my... So uh, yeah. that is a remake of a Marty Robbins yeah, song. That's right. Correct. Yeah, That's right. And I think this belt could handle Big Iron. With a big iron on his hip. Yeah. Good, that's good song. That's a good tune. It man. is a good tune. That is so, a good tune. There's oh, Marty, some, uh, Hey, you're going to need to patch in some Marty Robbins. Oh, I can totally do that. Big Iron, Big Iron When he tried to match the ranger with the big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip. But there, uh, there's a music recommendation there as well, along with, uh, you know, a belt that can hold your big iron. 
So, yeah, so this will definitely hold up a big iron or a small iron, <laughs> whatever you're packing. <laughs> it's got room for it. Our know, he, does, he does not have a name for that belt on his website. So, Brock, if you're listening, I'll send this to you. Uh, maybe the big iron belt. Oh, Ryan, yeah. how about it? How about it? Way to go, guys. Yeah. I, I think I think we just named your belt, Brock. Um, so We have another sponsor. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed at how good that is, yeah. uh, the name that is for a belt. That's I what I'm too. calling it. I am, too. Um, yeah, but awesome. uh, so – we were talking about I, I took this trip to Michigan, and full disclosure, we recorded two episodes on the Michigan trip. Um, I recorded one with the guys on the way up and one recapping everything on the way back. So we'll get into, on those episodes, you know, kind of the planning process behind going on a adventure-type trip out of state, somewhere you've never been, doing something you never did. And then on the way back, we'll kind of recap how it went. But we're going to do a little bit of that today. But what I want to talk about more importantly is Backcountry Beyond and what they did for us on this trip. They provided us with some gear that uh, we've always said on here, we're not going to we're not gonna tout anything that we wouldn't use. And that's still how I feel to this day. And what he, what he, what he had us pack along was uh, Black Rifle Coffee, um, veteran-owned Black Rifle Coffee. They come out with these coffee packets. They're like coffee bags. Or they're very similar to tea bags, work the same way. You heat up the water, drop it in, steep it for as long as you want. Pull it out. You got hot coffee ready to go. It's super lightweight, super easy to pack. We used them every day. They were, uh, I'm not a huge coffee drinker, but these here were uh, something to keep you going. And when you're in the back country for seven, seven days, caffeine's at a premium. Mm-hmm. And it was just. Uh, and a hot drink on a cold day. Yeah. And it was always cold. I mean, we're just not used to Michigan. We're, we weren't used to Michigan temps. And uh, that was a little, little boost for the soul. So Black Rifle Coffee, those coffee bags, you can get them at Backcountry Beyond. We heated up the coffee with BioLite stove technology. And uh, got to say, we also cooked potatoes uh, in the uh, in the BioLite kit. And that pot keeps food extremely hot, flaming hot, even 45 minutes after the flame has went out underneath. It was, I could not believe it. The potatoes were hot long after the meat was cold. Which again, on you know a cold day or whatever. Yeah, haven't um, how 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 often using old technology? We've been using you know since I was my Boy Scout days, since I was in my early teens. Yeah. The technology's come so far. You remember going camping as a kid, and you'd have your like your camping pan that you would throw the in your old pack. aluminum. You, yeah, exactly. Like could not cook over an open fire with it because yeah. it would fall apart. <laughs> and then you cook your mine had a wing nut that held everything <laughs> together that you'd lose that joker yeah. the first day. <laughs> And you uh, you get done, take it off the flames, and then whatever you were cooking, whether it be a hobo dinner or whatever, is ice cold by the oh, yeah. time you're putting it in your mouth. So, I mean, that is that is technology. It's really coming along. Yeah, so it's this amazing. BioLite stove worked out great. We uh, we also ran the Fit Socks. I converted everyone in camp to those pretty quickly. Um, can't say enough about those. I think we do a lot of talking about them. So yeah. not going to do any more, but check out Traveler Trading Company and Backcountry and Beyond for all your leather and outdoor needs. I've got something for everyone there. So moving along, if you excuse my voice, I've been working dogs for a week, so I'm I'm a little bit raspy. I'm even I'm hearing it kind of on the reverb, so I apologize for that. I've not got much of a voice yelling at dogs, dogs catching porcupines and whatnot. But um, let's move into uh, – You want to talk dates first? Let's move into dates. Let's move into dates. Let's talk about what's coming up. What So what's today? Today is a big day. It's a big day around the land trust office for multiple reasons. <laughs> Number one, it's opening day of squirrel season. It's opening day of bear season. 
It's opening day of rough grouse season in the Carolinas. And it is the draw day for the biggest draw of all, I would say, popularity-wise, yeah. the winter draw for yeah, the sportsman it, access it's du- program. It's dubbed the, the winter draw, but it, it obviously covers part a portion of fall as well. It's for the rut and all the duck seasons, pretty yeah. much. November, December, January, February. Yeah. Yep. So it's a, it's a it's when hunters are the most at home, right? So everybody's putting in. It's busy around the office, getting phone calls right and left. Um, everybody trying to get their picks in. Um, just got mine in a little while ago, and I'll be honest, competition is steep this year. Mm-hmm. Was uh, which is a good thing. I mean, that's you know that's the goal, really. Yeah, I'll be happy to uh, to get a couple of draws. Yeah, it'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure everybody's going to get something, but it and is. That's, uh, yeah, no, that's the point of this whole thing is we, you know, back in the first year that we started it, I mean, draws were a-flowing. Yeah. It was oh, like yeah, the land of milk easy. and honey and everybody could get what they wanted. And uh, you're still going to get yourself a draw, maybe two, but, um, you know, the fact, the, the fact that competition's steep means that we have more members, more money coming to conservation, and, and, and that's a, a good thing for us. And it's a testament to how good it is uh-huh. when, you, when you get a draw. Yeah. So, Sam. He took one of those promo deals and did the old two hundred dollar. I did scenario where he got what eight draws, mm-hmm. which I think should not be fair to you because mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't do that. I did mine before this promo. Like these promos come and go. What and do you mean before the? It was I, I renewed mine in March. Mine was in January. Well, then I guess I messed up. Yeah, you missed it. Well, I missed one, so I'm down. I've got four draws, and so I already used one up, and so now I'm down to three. We'll see how it goes, but uh, so get your picks in. Well, if you're if you're listening to this, you're you're it's already, too late. You're, you're too, yeah, it's too late. Too speaking late. of speaking of too late, you need I'm gonna to get, hop into you need to go to the next round of picks for that. Speaking of too late, uh, while we're talking dates, you are too late if you're listening to this and had any ins, uh, any desire to go duck hunting during the early split. Yeah, let's talk about it, man. Let's this talk is, about. This is I want to talk about you. This is how many how many years do you think it's been since you've not hunted during opening. actually i've skipped opening split lots of times no kidding yeah yeah i've never really been never really super been into the opening split well this year it was this year i'll tell you it was better than last year um just because of the temperature last year was so hot um i think in october there was something like 10 days over 90 degree highs last year interruption yeah. Did you get the uh, survey, the waterfowl survey, talking about restructuring the seasons for this upcoming year? I don't think so. Well, you would know if you got it. No, I did not. So they're looking at doing away with opening split and moving those four days somewhere else. Where would they move them? That's the big debacle. To the end? Well, you can't go past January yeah. 31 mm-hmm. because of federal mandate. Yeah. But uh, they're looking to put them in the middle somewhere or, or something, you know, where that's that split in December – where you go the first week of December or so mm-hmm. with no duck season, put it there, yeah. or, you know, something along those lines. So I would love to stick it on the end. Yeah. Yeah. And the first week of February, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to move it there. Yeah, it'd be but sweet. that's not okay yet. So um, I don't know. I'm conflicted on that. I, I always think open and split. Every single year my dad will call, and it's always on Monday. He'll call me like Monday morning or something. It usually opens on a Wednesday. Oh, excuse me. I, I meant Wednesday. He usually calls me Wednesday morning, and um, I'll be walking out, and I'll be like, it's for four years in a row now. He's been like, what, how'd it go? What you, no, no, it's like, what you doing this morning? And I'll be like, duck hunting. And every year, he's like, huh? 
He's like, he hadn't caught on yet. Because South Carolina doesn't do it. Yeah, because South Carolina doesn't do it. He's like, it's it's October. It's early October. How are you duck hunting? So I didn't raise a poacher boy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but opening day, Wednesday, uh, the first Wednesday in October always seems to be pretty good. I mean, it's just you're going to get woodies. And I think that's the the idea behind the restructure is we're we're pretty much targeting wood ducks. Yeah. Which I don't know that that's good to hammer wood ducks. I mean, everybody that goes is shooting wood ducks. Oh, yeah. So that's a lot of wood ducks. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the idea. that's the premise on. behind the restructure. But I will tell a quick story about it. So ever since I started working for the land trust, I actually ended up I'm gonna I'm gonna try to tell this story and we may have to trim it up if I if Be I careful, if careful. I deem if I say anything that you deem uh, too forthcoming. Just have your finger on that that, that buzzer. <laughs> if we got one that goes <laughs> So when I when I started working at the land trust, I happened to do some scouting one day on a tract that is a part of the Alcoa game lands. Too much. And <laughs> and I came back, Cody and I were um, new co workers at this point, probably weren't even really buddies yet. And I'd said something along the lines of, hey, man, I happened to go check out this place and saw saw something that looked pretty good. Um, saw some ducks. What you know about that? And no smile, no nothing. Cody was like, how about you stay away from there? <laughs> Seems like I remember something yeah. like that. And I was like, huh? And he's like, yeah, I'm serious. Uh, and so ever since then, every year I go there for opening day. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And so for the, fa- for the past four years on opening day of early split, I'm in this particular area. And what I will say is the first year I went by myself, had a good hunt. The second year I went, I usually, at that point I was living in Charlotte, I would come and I would leave the house at like 2 in the morning, you know, do the coffee slam and the jamming of music and get up there real early. Second year, went up there, there was a car. I got there like 3.15 and there was a car. Um already in the parking lot and I was like what in the hell you know like screw this guy <laughs> and uh got out of the car and you know went up to him and said oh you beat me fair and square and we started talking and he was from my hometown his name's Mike uh Mike if you're listening what's up um and he knew all my buddies I knew a lot of his buddies and um we ended up just becoming fast friends we hunted together that day and then the next year we would text and you know talk duck hunting and you know every year around October we'd be texting each other like hey you you know you going out let's get out let's hunt together whatever he's a super nice guy I all these transplants you're, you're man, shaking I, your head he's a we're good buddies he's a great guy and transplants uh, <laughs> um, so this year for some reason I probably just because of work and working on the house and stuff I didn't I forgot to text. Mike and he being busy didn't text me and I got out to the spot early like always and there was a truck there and I I didn't necessarily recognize it and the guy that was sitting there by the truck was not Mike and so I got out and again I was like what the hell Um, but walked up to him was like hey I'm uh you know he beat me fair and square you tell me where you're going and I'll go elsewhere and he goes well I don't really uh I don't really know exactly where we're going yet my buddy's he's uh, putting down our gear and he'll be back out in a second you can talk to him and uh, i see a flashlight coming through the woods and this guy comes walking up to me and he's like basically like mute you son of a bitch you know he's like he's like i knew it was you and i was like oh i knew it had to be you you're the first guy you know to beat me here 
um, I knew it must have been you. And um, I just, you know, there's a lot of horror stories about bad interaction that you that people have on public lands and stuff. Well, this is a you know a lifelong buddy that I've made from my hometown that I've met, and I have never on this particular spot I've never met a person that I didn't like, um, which is amazing. I know you have, but yeah, we've had all kinds of all kinds of action up there. But, you know, good and bad. I don't know. It just kind of goes back to our uh, our ethics conversation. We're talking about you know if you get beat fair and square and you act like an honorable person, uh, generally people are going to respond well, and you might make a buddy on the uh, on the trip. So went out, shot myself a limit on opening day, um, and went back two more times uh, to local public land holes and had some pretty good hunts. So uh, another successful opening opening split and. I'm ready for colder weather and bigger birds to be coming down. But. Yeah. Oh, I never went, so I was too busy hunting Michigan chickens. Yeah, you want to talk about it? I mean I know you I know you don't want to touch on the, it too much. Highlights of the trip were it was cold. We had a great campsite, nobody around. And after turns out the day we got there was opening day of archery season. So there was people out pretty pretty thick opening day of archery but they were all archery hunters after that we saw two bird hunters the whole trip besides ourselves and they were not hunting anywhere we were hunting and uh, to play off that a little bit on saturday we heard some shooting from what sounded to be bird hunters so we keyed in on that pretty hard like i was looking at a map i'm like okay they're in this area over here Mm -hmm. next day where do you think we were parked right there and we actually saw their truck when they rolled out because we were like it was late in the evening, and we were scouting a little bit, and they went to another spot, so we followed them and marked that spot, too. Oh, my God. And the next day, we hit both spots, and they were loaded with woodcock. What cop. kind of plates? Were they Michigan plates? Oh, yeah, they were local boys. <laughs> they, they messed up. <laughs> yeah, they knew what they knew. definitely something we didn't know, which is that the roles in Michigan for these, these grouse and woodcock are kind of reversed habitat-wise. We found that the grouse were spending a lot of time in the wet areas, um, around beaver sloughs, dried up beaver sloughs, they're in a big drought. But and the woodcock were in the really high uplands. But these guys knew that. They knew exactly where to go to find woodcock. They were woodcock hunting for sure. And when we rolled up to their spot the next morning, it was like it was a woodcock beatdown. I mean there were the dogs got birdie pretty much right out of the truck. And I was like, Oh, here's some woodcock splashing, which is woodcock scat. And I was like, there's definitely woodcock in here and about that time there goes one, we get them. And then from there, it was like there were woodcock going everywhere. It was, I mean, it was like you turned them loose out of the ground, like they were coming out of the ground. Since I haven't heard your episode yet, um, I'm going to ask you things, and then if you've already touched on it, yeah, I'll just, just let you know. Yeah. Did you talk about the size difference? No, did not talk about that. The significant size difference in birds up there we found. Um, obviously, females are always going to be a little bit larger, but we found just – just the fluff on these birds was more. They had a lot more fat content. That's the first thing. You showed me a picture. I was looking through pictures with you this morning. Uh, this is kind of our, yeah, this is my first recap of your trip, really. And um, the first thing I saw when you showed me a picture was it doesn't look anything like a woodcock from around here. I mean, same coloration. Yeah, they look like it, but they're just yeah, bigger. But the size difference is, I mean, it's it's like two fists. Yeah, they're, instead of they're big fist. birds. They were big birds. All the birds we shot were were big. They had a lot of fat on them. I mean, it just goes to show you what that migration does to their body. Just wears them down. I mean, we never shoot birds that have fat on them down mm-hmm. here. Yeah. 
but we're also not hunting in October sure. either. This is mm-hmm. the first time I've ever shot a woodcock in October. So mm-hmm. they may look like that around here in October. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'd be breaking the law to find out. Sure. So it was neat to it was neat to hunt them with the leaves on the trees. And we were there. So Michigan DNR puts out a, a leaf week map that shows where in all parts of the state what day the leaves are going to peak. So Thursday was peak for the area we were in. And so we saw some phenomenal color. It was almost like it was almost like the trees were on fire. The color was that good. Maples and aspens, the yellows and reds were just breathtaking. And so that was it was neat to get to bird hunt in that and get to smell the damp fall woods up there because it's it's full on fall up there. I mean it's chilly at night and cool during the day. And I mean I'm a little jealous of Michigan. Michigan you, uh, Michigan's nice. When you on your way back, did you mention? You oh, when were, we hit West Virginia, I was like, "Well, welcome to green and brown." Yeah. <laughs> on your way back, did y'all on the show that y'all were doing coming back? Um, you, your buddy John Henry mm-hmm. Harrelson, who's been on this show. Hey, John Henry, if you're listening, and then Dallas. Um, I know y'all were worn down. Yep, it was a, it a was lot a, of hiking. Did y'all mention the Michigander that you met <laughs> briefly? Briefly, um, well, we we don't have we to touch didn't, on it. Now. We we definitely talked about him, and I can't repeat anything that he <laughs> said really at all. Um, but he was an interesting fella. We liked him. Um, if he uh, if he ever does decide to listen to this podcast, which I'm sure he won't, <laughs> his name was DJ, and we liked him a whole bunch. Oh, DJ was cool. DJ had some plans. <laughs> well, if you uh, in the Michigan, that, so let me when me, that episode <laughs> comes out, all I'll say is that that one's worth a listen just to hear about. The character DJ. Yeah, he uh, in Michigan. So I guess water and beer are the same thing. Like either one could come out of the faucet, <laughs> and uh, it's pretty normal to uh, hunt under the influence. Apparently, in oh, Michigan, really? yeah, it's it's uh, apparently it's like a thing you do. <laughs> kind of like ice fishing. They do a lot of drinking when they're ice fishing. I guess they do a lot of drinking when they're hunting. It's not something we condone here. It's on not something show. we do. It's not something we do. But no, uh, he, he was uh, he was stashing stashing beers in the woods in five gallon buckets that he was burying in the ground. That was what we we met him when he was doing it. He's all sweaty. And we're like, what you what you up to, man? What was he drinking? Uh, he had Labatt Blue, which is mm, something we didn't know a whole lot about. Yeah, and then he had, uh, of course plenty of bush and he had the the cases duct taped so this isn't his first rodeo oh, he knew how to carry a case that way they the didn't woods. bust on yeah, the way in because uh-huh. he was packing them a mile wow. back in the woods he's like yeah i, I tape up all my cases wow <laughs> he, he had a plan dj good, he was he was a fun news. that was actually one of the highlights of the trip was meeting that guy because that was the first i don't know if they refer to themselves as michiganders or not but that's what we were calling them mm-hmm. that was the first one we really met that was like openly giving out information and talking now he didn't know a thing about bird hunting he i don't even know if he knew there were grouse there to be honest with you i don't know if you'd ever seen one yeah because i asked him about porcupines because we saw a ton of porcupines he's like oh yeah no we don't ever see porcupines he's like are there porcupines here i was like oh yeah (laughs) then we asked him about badgers because i'd found a bunch of badger holes and uh no we don't see any badgers out here but i don't know that he's even looking for He's not looking for badgers or yeah, porcupines. Might, by the time he's actually sitting in the steer stand, he might be cross-eyed. <laughs> he, he may have walked. He may have stepped on a porcupine and not <laughs> known it. I don't know, but DJ was a great guy. We liked him. He was super nice. Mm. Everybody was nice. That was something we didn't really know how it was going to be. We didn't talk about this, but we didn't really know how it was going to be people-wise, you know, going to a different culture, um, if they were going to be welcoming or not. 
But, uh, I mean, we didn't really have that many interactions with people. But the people we did interact with were extremely nice. I've always I, – I like Midwestern folks. Yeah, I do too. I, I, and I liked it up there. I liked uh, I liked everything about it except for the price of a bottle of propane. It's $6 a bottle up there. They're making a killing on propane. Mm. Um, I Y'all burned through it too, didn't you? Yeah, we went through 10 bottles. We took five with us and had to buy five more. Mm. Um, it was cold, and we're doing a lot of cooking. So, And we ran two lanterns most of the nights too. It was raining part of the trip, so no fire. Just, eh. Well, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to necessarily steal the glory from your your podcast well, that I, you did with John what I didn't, Henry. Well, and, what and I didn't Dallas. say on that podcast because I hadn't counted it up yet. I've been keeping track of flushes every day from just my two dogs, and uh, on grouse alone, we had about forty flushes mm. just with my two. And then woodcock, we were pushing a hundred flushes. Um, we forty flushes is about ten years worth of flushes at least, at least in North Carolina. Yeah, maybe even more. It's a lifetime for a dog in North Carolina. If you're just running grouse, wild grouse in North Carolina, that's a lifetime. Do you think that there's a um, do you think there's a positive correlation between having that opportunity for your dirt for your dogs to actually get out there and you know it, that's like practice. I mean mm-hmm. to to get catch that scent and to clue in on oh, it. Oh, they're going to be so much better here. You think after, so? Oh yeah, and we even by the third day, they would cut a track. You could see them. You'd be working dogs through some stuff where you didn't necessarily expect a grouse to be, kind of open, you know. And you could see them. They'd go across the track where one had been, and they'd smell it and wheel back around and start trailing it up. So you just follow the dog because he was going to wherever the cover was. Yeah. You follow her into that cover, and yeah. there he went. Like, I mean, they were finding birds that were, you know, three, 400 yards from where we actually flushed them. Terrain-wise, from the pictures that I've seen, a um, lot flatter than around here. Mm-hmm. Less strenuous lumpy. trip. I would call it lumpy. Lumpy. It's kind of rolling hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they do a lot of wet weather logging, or they have in the past. The other, the other thing that I noticed was um, the cover didn't look necessarily quite as thick as what you're hunting around here. It's, uh, I think I might have underestimated it from the perspective of it being just big open woods, because where we, I mean, there's lots of big open woods, but where we found birds was a lot of times not that. Um, but we. Uh, Nothing really pokes you up there. There's not a lot of things that stick you or rip your pants or stab your dog, um, which was much easier hunting than here. No privet, um, not a lot of briars of any kind, mostly just a lot of stems. So, yeah, it was open and much easier walking, I would say, other than it being kind of lumpy. Speaking of a, um, speaking of opening day of duck season, guess who was walking through the swamp and – Stepped on a button bush, broke off button bush, and punched a hole about the size of a fist through their waders. You already popped your new set of waders? Popped my waders. That Last year's waders. That didn't take long. No, it sure didn't. That didn't take long Man, at it's all. every year. I mean, I swear, it's a it's a set of waders a year. Uh, that's uh, kind of I – I pulled a similar move up there. Uh, so I only took one pair of leather boots, um, and which was probably a mistake, because we saw right off the bat that, oh – I think we can get by with just leather boots. We don't need knee boots in here. This is everything was dry for the most part. But I stepped off of, I stepped off into a quicksand type mud one day right off the bat. I mean, right off the go, like mm-hmm. nine forty in the morning. Yeah, went you know waist deep into something, some kind of black, some kind of black goop. 
<laughs> that looked like you could walk on it. It had moss growing on top of it. Hadn't we? Hadn't we talked about quicksand? Yeah. And those well, things? I found it uh, and couldn't get out. And I was like, I need help. And you have to get a handout. Yeah, you know, I had to get Dallas to hand me a shotgun and drag me out. I couldn't. I mean, if I would have moved, I would have just continued to get worse and worse. And I was trying to avoid getting my top half as some, bad as the bottom yeah, half. Some Scooby Doo. Because the bottom half was just caked with black mm. something. So I wound up having to go back. Those boots were out of commission for the rest of the trip. That whole pair of pants. And I just put on, that was my second pair of pants. I only had two pair for hunting in. Mm -hmm. And that was my new pair. So they were done. What do you uh, What do you know about breathable waders? I know I had a pair once, and I liked them a whole bunch, but they didn't last very long. Um, Easier to punch a hole? Oh, for sure. Oh, I thought yeah. that. I thought, I've heard that they're making these kind of canvas this canvas material now that's, you know, I mean, like if, neoprene, if you're trying to step up on a on a two-foot-high log, I mean, you really got to hike that leg up. And yeah. I feel like even with a canvas material, you could still have a little bit more mobility. I'm going to be honest. This is not a paid promotion here. But uh, if you're looking at something like that, I would go with the Dan's brand, um, the briarproof, waterproof material. Mm -hmm. So I've got a pair of the Dan's hip boots, which aren't full-on waders, but they'll get you up to your waist, basically. Mm -hmm. Those are great, but if you're wanting waders, they make a waiter, but it's expensive. How expensive? Um, like Drake prices. Yeah. But I don't think you'd be popping holes in them. You don't get necessarily the, you know, insulation that you get, but there's nothing. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. You can always layer up. Mine, so. uh, where my issue was with my breathables was where the connection from the waiter to the boot was. I got a, I kept getting holes right there, the top of the boot. So... They were they were okay for a season or two. I probably will never buy another pair of them. But I just man, I just punched too many holes. All right, dates. Yeah, so today is October twelfth, which is opening day of bear season in North Carolina mountains. It's opening day of squirrel season statewide for gray and fox. It's opening day for rough grouse in North Carolina. So I'm pretty excited about that. It's uh opening day of coon season. If you're a raccoon hunter, you got hounds. Um, what else? Are you are you gonna do your, um, are you gonna do your annual grouse trip? Oh, I would love to. I don't know that I can get away with it. Yeah. But I would love to do my annual grouse trip here because my dogs are tuned up. I know now. that's what I'm saying. Um, I'll probably go. I, I definitely won't make it this weekend. I'll probably go in a weekend or two for a day trip up there. Um, I got to get some. I was telling somebody else this morning. I got to get some deer meat on the ground. It's uh. I'm scraping the bottom of the freezer at this point, so I, I really need to uh, quit playing and, and get serious about putting some meat on the ground before I go back to hunting birds. Like I've said before, bird hunting is, is, is what I like to do. It's not necessarily what helps me out in the long run. It's, uh, it's more of just a passion of, of fun. It doesn't fill my freezer. Uh, uh, it just you, doesn't. You're talking muzzleloader. Yeah, yeah muzzleloader season's open in the eastern season, the eastern seasons. Mm -hmm. um, there's two now. Um, so in North Carolina, muzzleloader season has been in. Shoot, it's almost gun season there. Um, but uh, in the central season, muzzleloader season will open on Halloween, correct? Halloween? October 31st. So that'd be Halloween, all Halloween. October Eve. 31st is there's a time change. There's gonna on be, Halloween? There's the Hunter's Moon, full moon. So you're thinking things are looking like it's something's happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's a spooky, just kind of all around. The ambiance around October 31st, for me, I'm pretty I'm pretty tuned up on. I've always, so this is a story time. So I've always had really 
great hunts right around Halloween of some kind or another. When I was a kid, it would always be a squirrel hunt associated with Halloween um, where something crazy happened. And then later on in life, when I was hunting areas where deer season was open at Halloween, I'd always generally take a pretty nice buck right around Halloween, usually right around Halloween. So we'll see how this year shakes out. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an odd year. I think we've talked about the harvest moon before, and the harvest moon can either be the September full moon mm-hmm. or the October full yep. moon. Um, and I think it has something to do with whichever's closer to the autumnal equinox or something. I'm not sure, but this year September moon was the harvest moon, the full moon in September, and the October full moon, when it is not the harvest moon, is the hunter's moon which I like a whole lot. You like the name of that. Yeah. So, Hunter's Full Moon on October 31st, which is the opening day of black powder season in the Central Zone, which is where we're at. And it's also a kind of spooky, weird time change there on that on that night. So, so that's daylight savings. Yeah. A lot of fun things to kind of look forward to on and that I, day. I'll tell you, I've never particularly cared to hunt around the full moon, or fish for that matter. Usually everything's a little less good around a full moon. I feel like things are moving at night more or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just not getting the daylight activity. I don't know. What if it's an overcast day? Eh. I still, still doesn't matter. I still just, I'd rather it not be a full, I'd rather yeah. have no moon than yeah. a full moon. Oh, yeah. I like a no moon mm-hmm. situation. I agree but, with that. Yeah, so dates are rolling in hot and heavy for uh, for hunting. See, it is the, the time to be in the woods if you're a hunter. And even if you're not a hunter, you're thinking about getting into it. This is what we've been looking forward to. Yeah. I mean, talking about this day, these days coming all year long. Um, For our friends up in the mountains, northwestern deer zone, black powder comes in later. comes in November 7th. Yep. And then um, gun season, November 14th here in the central zone. So everything's right around the corner. Yeah. Fired up. It's like I like to think about it when dove season opens up. So from Labor Day weekend on, it's like, oh, I got something to do. Mm-hmm. Here on out, people mm-hmm. ask, "Well, what you got going on this weekend?" Well, I'm going hunting. Mm-hmm. I'm going hunting. Matter of fact, if I can get off work today, I'm going hunting today. Squirrels? Yeah, yeah. I think I know where you're going too. There are there are squirrels that need to go. Are you going to go to the spot that you and I've been to before? I'll probably save that for later. You think so? Yeah, I'll save that for us. Mm-hmm. We'll go there later. That's a good squirrel spot. It is a good squirrel. Spot. I won't be carrying the air rifle. I can tell you that. Yeah. When I did when I uh, <laughs> when I talked about my duck spot. <laughs> When I talked about my duck spot, did I give away too much? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. You should have We're going like, to leave it. It should have been like it's in North Carolina. We're going to leave it. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Call it good. I think the whole reason to even bring up Alcoa in the first place. Yeah, is, I guess we kind of have to. Is to say, it's fine. Is to say, one, this place is special to us because it's a place that could have been lost forever and is now protected. And we've got Tuckertown right around the corner, which is a place that we've both hunted for ducks that we're we're still working on really hard and um september 2021 is the deadline to round up the uh the money to protect that 2400 acres of game lands which is eight eight point something odd million dollars yeah 8.5 so um i know we talk a lot about silly stories and hunting and whatever it is that we like to talk about but um, by listening to the show and, and supporting the land trust projects like that, or um, I mean, we're hunting on these places that we've that the land trust has protected, which yeah, I think is pretty uh, awesome. It's not selfish; it's 
because you can hunt it too. It yeah. would be if just Sam and I could <laughs> hunt it. But the fact that everyone can go there, and you don't have to hunt. You can just go there to hike or fish or mm-hmm. whatever. It's there for you, and it's a it's a gem hidden. Well, it used to be hidden. These boys from Spartanburg keep moving up here and messing it up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, no, it's, it's like a gem in the Piedmont. So if you're in Charlotte or Greensboro or Winston-Salem or even Raleigh, it's uh, it's kind of one of your closest spots to go and, and be semi in the backcountry. Yeah. Um, at least on the waterfront backcountry. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I really should try to help out with that, one of the ways you can do it is get up with Sam or myself via email, and we'll help you make a donation. We'll walk you through the process to make a donation that's restricted specifically for Alcoa. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something you can do that way if you're like concerned. Well, I don't. I want to make sure my money. If I'm going to give money, I want to make sure it goes to this project that I'm passionate about. Well, you can certainly do that. That's mm-hmm. you don't have to give. You don't have to make just a general donation where it goes to the land trust and it keeps the lights on or keeps us employed. Yeah, you can, and then I mean the other thing is this too, like to tie in, and I'm sure Travis and them talked about this last week, but I'll touch on it. Um, it's not when you make a donation to the land trust to keep the lights on. What are we doing? We good on time? All right. When you make a donation to keep the lights on at the land trust, that's not like it's just keeping the lights on and paying us. The land trust, myself, Cody, Crystal, all the staff members, we've applied for like sixty different grants for the Alcoa project. So uh, that's a good way that you know when we're getting paid to do our job, that means that we're trying to round up and leverage the dollars that we're getting to turn the keep the lights on and keep us employed into money to go into these projects. So you can make your donation directly to that pod project, or you know send an operational donation so that we can try to find the funding sources to fund those projects. I mean, at the end of the day, it all goes to the it goes to the same pot. So um, yeah. Yeah, but if you want your twenty bucks to go specifically for Alcoa, we can hundred percent make that happen. hundred percent or other projects. We have yeah, there's a few pick, different Yeah, ones. you can pick you can pick whatever project we got going if you want. But um yeah, that's just something I wanted to throw in there. I don't know if we've ever really told that before. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. Alcoa is a, a heck of a good resource for waterfowl, for uh, deer hunting, I mean for everything. Mm-hmm. It's uh if the Piedmont's got it, Alcoa's got it. That's right. And then some. Matter of fact, my brother uh my brother spent some time down there with you this past week as well. Mm-hmm. There were there were lots of guys down there mm-hmm. having having a big time. Sounded like it was uh, quite the turnout for the circus. It is always quite the turnout. I feel like more and more every year. Um, what else you got on your list there? You got anything left that we haven't covered? No, nah, there's one other thing that we haven't covered, which is date-wise. But, again, if you're listening to this, uh, which is good for us, means you're too late. Um, and that is the North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission. <laughs> yeah, it's good for us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> didn't know what you were going to say there. We we've briefly briefly touched on the state's permit opportunities mm-hmm. and and how to go about getting into that. So this is the part. If you've tuned us out and you've just had us in the background for all of your drive, and you're like, "Well, I'm interested in new places to hunt, and I like hunting stuff." Mm-hmm. This is where you turn us back up because mm-hmm. we're going to give out some stuff that we normally don't give out. Sure. Kind of like when we gave out that did the episode the fall draw episode that went mm-hmm. went so high because everybody was getting mm-hmm. solid info. Mm-hmm. This is one of those times. Yeah, um, and we're talking Tucker Town. We're talking Alcoa earlier. We're working with the North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission on that project, and and the, we're trying to do a lot of the things that North Carolina is doing by providing access 
or the resource commission is doing by providing access to people through our sports and program because the state does their own lottery draw program too for high quality opportunity at yep. at uh, at game species which is something that we're doing here at the land trust but we put in like we were talking about earlier we put in our lottery draws for the sports and program and every year you and i put in our lottery draws for the wrc's waterfowl hunts as well yep. so uh i don't know how and they've they, got they've got turkey hunts deer mm-hmm. hunts bear hunts waterfowl permitted small game they've got it all yep uh-huh. we've actually in the land trust three rivers land trust has been a part of the acquisition of one of these one of the tracks the second creek these, game lands track mm-hmm. which is a permit only track um that was got by three rivers land trust and so yeah we the land trust again if you're supporting the land trust and you ever have put in for that draw to turkey hunt to to duck hunt to whatever um for a lottery and you've gotten it you can thank Three Rivers well, Land Trust. And while we're on the topic of Second Creek Game yeah. Lands, I haven't been drawn in two years. I've put in, I put in for Second Creek every year. It's a hard get, and I don't get it. And it's a, it's a, so it's weird. Your permits, your permitted opportunities for waterfowl are either Tuesdays and Saturdays or Wednesdays and Saturdays, mm-hmm. just depending on the game land. This one's Wednesdays and Saturdays. It's a. This is a good. This is like we were talking about with our with our preview of the sportsman hunting season i think there's tips here that we're going to provide we that like, are worth providing and yeah I, I think the first is which i think we're i'm not opposed going. to giving some of these out yeah you put in for wednesdays yeah i always pick wednesdays mm-hmm. i pick weekdays because i figure you know common logic states that most folks who are going duck hunting have a job and they're going to want to go on saturdays because that's when they're off i'm fortunate enough and my job is really close to this duck hole Mm-hmm. So I could go get in a morning hunt and still make it to work on time. Yeah. So I put in for Wednesdays to try to up my odds. Well, I haven't been drawn for this place in two years, so I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to give up. It's kind of like the duck hole that I went to on opening day. Um, there's benefit to it. Like Cody said, you've the Alcoa game lands in general. That's your plan are, B spot when you don't draw second yeah, creek, but I guess. The Alcoa game lands in general are – right there in the center of all these urban centers. We've talked about it before. Really, our whole entire area that we do conservation is a rural area that is being infringed upon from the from the boundary in. Um, and that comes in by development infringement and pressure, which is mm-hmm. which is a good thing. I mean, people need a place to go, and luckily our region, the Piedmont, the Sand Hills, are an area providing that. Yeah, yeah. Are where people can come. But then again, like you said, it's the closest draw opportunity for a lot of folks. So... Uh, just know that there, I, I put in for Second Creek too. I did not get it. So, yeah. so anyway, but I have drawn it before. It's it's it has it's either feast or famine there. Mm-hmm. It's either a really great hunt or a really bad hunt. Did you get drawn this year at all? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I drew plenty. I've got nothing to complain about draw wise. I did not draw. So in North Carolina, kind of the uh, premier waterfowl permit is Madame Mesquite. It's no secret. I put in. Yeah, it's uh, historically a phenomenal place to waterfowl hunt. Has been since pre-market hunting days it's kind of like a just a yeah when you go historical landmark yeah, more yeah when you go else. when you go to get to hunt the madame mesquite national wildlife refuge when you go on that hunt it's like it's not so much about killing ducks it is about killing ducks but it's it's kind of like well i'm getting to hunt in a place where guys used to make a living hunting ducks mm-hmm. and ducks come here by the billions and this is where they show up and not so much anymore i mean you know, populations change this and that, but duck hunting's still pretty good there. It's still a really sought after draw. Yeah. 
and it's really hard to get. I've been putting in for it for we counted it up. I think we said it was 11 or 12 years that I've been putting in for it. I've never drawn. The cool thing about that permit, which differs from the others, you put in for it individually, and then you can take two guests with you if you draw. So I've been fortunate enough to go on that hunt with a friend who was very gracious and invited me to come along. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I've been there and got to experience it once, but I did not get drawn for that. Yeah, four, fourth year for me since I moved to North Carolina, still no no light at the end of the And time. Sam was getting frustrated. He's like, oh, I've been putting in for four years. And I'm like, <laughs> four years? Try 11. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, I guess when I draw it next year, maybe I'll invite Sam. Now, I, went in, <laughs> I, went in with some, uh, I went in with some optimism. Um like I always, well, that's do. the only way to play. Positive, that's the only way to play. The, the only way to play yeah. the lottery is to plan so, on winning. The only way to go it is just you know, you don't get drawn. And I think the first thing I said when I looked at it was, well, next year, you yeah. know, yeah. maybe next year. The other thing about Madam Mosquito is there's no bo- and and with any of the WRC waterfowl draws, which love it or hate it, there's no bonus points. Yeah, that's been a topic that's been brought up a whole bunch about whether they should do bonus points. I'm cool with them. I kind of I kind of like the way it is. I'm cool with it just being how it is, and I'm glad they went up on the price. Mm-hmm. It's, it was $5 forever. They got it through legislation. Now it's 8 bucks mm-hmm. for an entry. Mm-hmm. But an entry gets you five selections mm-hmm. on dates. I mean, there's not much to complain about. That's cheap, mm-hmm. and it's all going to a good cause. So I I would if you if you're complaining about the price of the the entry, I feel like you're uh you're kind of missing the point. Yeah, I think the other thing that I enjoy about it, um, this is my third year applying for a draw that I've never seen, been to before. I, I kind of like it for that. It's the same as the Sportsman Access Program, where some people are going to, which is, I mean, you do what's best for you. Some people are going to put in their Sportsman Access Program draws for one block on one property, and, and they're going to fall in love with it. And that's a, that's what DJ did in Michigan. Yeah, exactly. He he, he he told me I've been hunting the I've been hunting the same tree for thirty years. Been hunting in the same spot for fifty years, minus a few f bombs, right? <laughs> oh, lots of. Them. I was like, <laughs> bro, if I hunted the same tree for thirty years, I think I'd go crazy. Yeah, I want to know what's on you know what's around the other corner. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't care. <laughs> I'm glad you guys brought up. I actually was going to ask that question, but can you explain real quick the bonus points concept? Yeah, I'll take it. Go ahead. Real quick. So some states, when you are a loyal follower, you continue to purchase permit opportunities. If you don't get your permit, you get a point. And after years of accumulation of those points, you can put in and say, hey, I've got 10 bonus points. Those bonus points will give you exponential more odds of drawing if you use those points and you're basically guaranteed to draw it after you've accumulated so many so an example would be my montana sheep tag i've been putting in for a sheep tag for a lot of years and knowing full well that there's basically no shot at me drawing it but i'm getting another preference point every year another preference point another preference point by the time i'm 45 there's a darn fine chance that i'm gonna have enough preference points that i can be like okay cashing in all my preference points while I've still got enough life left in me to do this hunt, and I'll get it. That's the plan. You can put in – so you can put in for the draw, and if you do not get drawn, you get a preference It's a constellation prize. Yeah, it's a constellation prize. And you can also, if it, like, lines up where it's a year where you actually can't go hunt, and you're like, well, I still want to be able to put in, you can just buy a preference point. Yep. And, and but but it's it's a great strategy by the the, the state because 
they're banking on that you're gonna lapse. you're banking on you're banking on that you're gonna live long enough to do it. Um, if you die, then all your preference points you don't get to pass them on to your kid. <laughs> not so, I wish, yeah. but you don't get to do that. So it all starts over again. So it's like a fugazi. Well, yeah, it's a fugazi. Fugazi. <laughs> it's made up. It's not real. <laughs> yeah, if you if you know what that's from, that's good. It's fugazi. So <laughs> back to the thing. So um, yeah, I'm cool that they don't do preference points. Yeah. Um, we're talking about you put in you're you're going to places that you've never really been before. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the fun of it. Mm-hmm. You did uh, you did you want to give it out where you went or you want to keep it secret? Keep want, it secret. Okay. So we also put in for some other places mm-hmm. and some places down east. Both of us did. I put in for generally the same areas every year. I usually experiment with a new area too, but I've kind of been around the permanent block enough now that I've about been to every place. I'll put in one. I'll put in one. I'll put in for Lower Roanoke. Yeah. So I've never been there before. Um, I kind of warned him about Lower Roanoke. If you're listening and you're a big-time waterfowl hunter on the Roanoke, um, you should call up Sam or email him and give him give him the uh, the inside edition. Yeah, uh, because, I mean, there's just something fun about seeing new country. I mean, that's part of it. The whole thing, like Cody was saying, with, you know, bird hunting isn't filling my freezer. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really it, not. It's an adventure. It's all about an adventure and, and seeing new country and, and – uh, I followed the same rules that I follow with the sports and access program, which is I'm going to hunt when I'm picking a place that I maybe want to go check out. I'm going to go somewhere that no other people aren't going to go. Uh, so I, you know, even within a draw like lower Roanoke, you can pick the track that you want to go to and then have your eye on the hole that you want to go to within that tract. As long as it's not a spot where you're designated to a specific blind. And then you can say, well, I like this area, but it's three miles and I'm going to have to carry decoys in my gun and my camping gear for camping is a possibility. And, you know, you can dictate, you can dictate how hard you want to work more than other folks. And sometimes that pays off. Sometimes it doesn't, it didn't. Uh, I went duck hunting Saturday. It did not pay off. I walked, <laughs> I walked to like two and a half miles in waders. And that way back, I was walking with a hole in my waders and water in my mm. water in my boots. What so, pays off is when you go ahead and spend that money and get yourself a, craft that you can access those areas without having a wall <laughs> i see that was the thing though because that spot i think about that i chose a spot that was equally as far from the river as it was from the as it was from a mm. place that you could park airboat yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man it's uh the permit hunting's fun it's uh it's one of those ways that you can spend some money that goes to a good cause and you'll get a little something in return if you I recommend if you're going to do the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission permit opportunities, whether it be for deer or big game, ducks, whatever, I recommend a couple of hot tips. One, I recommend you do it as a party, and you can do three people per party. So mm-hmm. I recommend at least doing two, doing mm-hmm. you and a buddy. Yep. Um, somebody be the hunt leader and set up, go ahead and do the first entry, and you get a party number. You share that with your buddy, and then when he goes in, they'll join your party with that number. It's handy, yeah. Um, that increases your odds of drawing a bit. Just like the sports program, yeah. yeah. So I recommend doing that. I also recommend picking less likely days. So don't pick holidays or do pick holidays. Yeah, I would say Actually, with the Actually, water, with waterfowl, it's a do pick holidays. It's do pick Christmas. Do pick Thanksgiving. If you're not obligated to be with your family, then you should be in duck blind. Yeah. And uh, you can definitely increase your uh, – maximize odds by picking, picking those days. But – 
for the most part, weekdays have been really good. When you're going through your selections, you need to have yourself two notepads. You need to have a notepad of all the places <laughs> Dude, you're going. That's so funny. We have not talked about this. I do. Oh, I do yeah. the same thing. You need to have all the places you're going to put in for, in a list, and then you need to have a calendar on the other one, and you need to go to the place you like the most first. Start there. Pick the dates you really want the most in your top five, and then you need to write all those dates down next to the place you're going. Then you need to go to your next favorite place. You need to look in there, and you need to pick different dates. Mm-hmm. Nothing needs to coincide. Now, granted, you're not going to draw all these and have the whole duck season locked down on the calendar. But you need to, when you're putting in, you put in for different dates each time. You don't ever select the same dates for two different locations. I love how we're giving out this information after, <laughs> after the yeah. draw. Well, it'll help you out next year. Yeah, that's right. Because if you pick the same dates for two locations and you draw one, you're never going to draw the other one. And if you draw both of them, it kicks you out of both of them because you can't have two permits at one time because you can't be in two places at once. And their system recognizes that. So if you're like, the only week I can hunt is Thanksgiving week, so I'm gonna, I want to try this place, this place, and this place, and so you pick Thanksgiving week for each of those places, you're never going to get it. You might get one of them maybe mm. if it like really slides through the system. Mm. So you need to – like it's some serious planning and making sure you don't have corresponding dates. And then at the end, when you do get drawn – you get three or four, you've already done the homework of not having to choose one or the other because they're going to be on different dates, and then you can kind of go. But I will say, on top of that, this. Don't pick dates that you're not going to be able to go. Don't just go in there and just throw a shotgun pattern at the board and a bunch of dates and click, you know, pick C for all the answers. Yeah. Because what's going to happen there is you're going to not wind up going on some of those permits, and that's really going to mess somebody up that could have gotten it. Like, you're you're basically taking opportunity away from the next guy and you're kind of ruining the hunt for everybody because the way it's planned out is, is there's a specific number of people that can be in each of these spots and everybody has been through years of planning. And you know, this is the number of people that it hunts well, less than this. It doesn't hunt as well. More than this, it doesn't hunt as well. So by you not showing up, not only are you stealing opportunity from somebody who probably would have shown up, but you're also kind of messing up the hunt. And, and that's kind of the, the whole plan behind having these permanent hunts is being able to control how many people are in there and the pressure that's that's going on. Yeah. Whether it's deer, ducks, whatever. Yeah. Is that a good breakdown? Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's just another outlet for outdoors people to be able to enjoy our, our wild places, just like the sportsman program. I mean, we've talked about it before with we had Rough Grouse Society on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we support – Three Rivers Land Trust, obviously, through our sports memberships and through our guided trips that we've got coming up and things that we do to support local conservation, but we also support Rough Grouse Society. You can support the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission. You're going to by buying your license. You literally have to. By buying your (laughs) licenses and everything, but you can also contribute by putting in and get opportunity by by putting in draws and and doing that sort of thing and give a little bit more and and get something in return. Same Same with the land trust. You can also... You can put in for those draws and put in for our draws and, and stack up a season worth of opportunity but while contributing to conservation. And uh, I, think that's a, I think that's a good thing. I spent roughly, so in a year, I usually spend about 40 to $60 on permits, which is I usually put in more than, than normal I spent about 30-something, 36 um, This year I, I added, they came out with a lifetime trapper's license, so I added that. So that was an extra three hundred bucks, but um, you know why not? Mm-hmm. I like trapping, and it's mm-hmm. easier than buying it every year. 
why not get the lifetime? I, I feel you. like I'm winning on that deal. <laughs> yeah, three hundred bucks. I'll I'll recoup that. What else we got? Anything? Um, Brian, is there anything that we talked about that you felt like should have been covered better, or anything we need to add? No, y'all did a good job. I don't know if we've had a chance to talk about the Conservation Classic. No, we happened. need to talk about that. And before we do that, let me talk about something that's on my mind because you're remembering that. So let me talk about this through hike. The through hike's happening. Starts on Thursday. We should uh, at least make a mention of that since it's one of the biggest events we do. Um, hikers from around the globe will be showing up to hike the Uari Trail. They're going to hike 40 miles in four days, which is not that bad, um, but it will be strenuous for, and for you're, some. And you're carrying all your you, – but you are carrying all of your gear on your, pack, on your back. I mean, it's not like – You have the option of not doing that, but mm-hmm. majority of folks – are doing it just like you would if you had no assistance. Mm-hmm. But it's in an environment where if something does go wrong, we kind of got your back. Mm-hmm. And we've got you on water. You don't have to filter a bunch of water, that kind of thing. But, yeah, so the UR through hikes happening. If that's something you're interested in being a part of next year, you should definitely sign up early, like February, because mm-hmm. it fills up within a day or two. Um, we usually can take about seven. Yeah, it didn't fill up that because of the circumstances well, COVID, this year. COVID this year messed things up, but normally fills up super fast and usually take about 75 hikers, and they all spread out and hike the Uari Trail, and they have a blast. Yeah, I uh, you know, if the Al- talks of Alcoa didn't really pique your interest in terms of supporting Three Rivers Land Trust, and that's not necessarily something that you're interested in doing, um that's another project that Three Rivers Land Trust has been working on for for years now. Um, we have one piece left to reconnect this historic 40-mile trail. Right now, the hikers have to cut. De- detour on a hard top. For de- a yeah, detour on the black top for a little ways to get back to the trail. Um, you know, a few years ago, there was far more detours and, and – um, it was less connected and a lot more fragmented. But due to the hard work of Crystal and, and Three Rivers Land Trust, now there is one piece left. And once we hopefully acquire that, then we will have a continuous – sorry, I just slapped my mic. We have a, <laughs> Slap uh, it. We have a continuous 40-mile through hike and trail, which is, you know, a pretty amazing resource. And it's it's an awesome place. I've, I've done the through hike. I liked it. I uh, – yeah. Yeah, to say are you you're uh you're sweeping on the I second am. day? Yeah, sweeping. So second day sweep, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but the second day sweep is always the second day separates the the men from the, the boys from kind the of thing, so women, to speak. And the women from the gals. Um in that that's the day that blisters are really popping up. And that was the day when I was sweeping two or three years ago that I was wrapping wrapping feet, touching sweaty feet. And they weren't wearing fits. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's true. So be be prepared. Um, um, less than a mile to go, though, right? Before huh? we get fully connected, less than a mile to go for the for full 40 miles. Oh, it's less. If we're able but, to go yeah. straight through, then yes. Oh, That's, yeah. That's, uh-huh. that's accurate. Um, you slapped that microphone. It reminded me of a story on the Michigan trip. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we got it. We've been chasing this one grouse. We got him up three or four times, never getting a shot on him. And it was actually the last day. And – we're trying to get John Henry on a on a bird, get him a silver or gray phased rough grouse. Never had one before, never gotten one, and uh, so we weren't really uh, trying to kill him unless it was in front of John Henry. 
And so we get this bird up, and he finally goes into a place where I, I see him go down. I'm like, he's in those ferns. And these ferns, by the way, these bracken ferns up there, they're like a billion hands sticking up out of the ground, grabbing your legs, mm-hmm. like fingers. Mm-hmm. And when they're wet, they're like wet fingers. Mm. Disgusting to walk through. But anyways, he's down there in these ferns. And so we regroup. I'm like, all right, he's right down here. We're going to heal the dogs really close to us till we get in there, and then we're going to turn them loose and get them up and you get a shot. So – Get in there, get this bird up. We don't get him. Everybody shoots at him. It sounded like a wood duck shoot. Mm-hmm. Bam, 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 bam. You know, and he gets away. Well, he flies in this other direction. We're standing there just all kind of mouths hanging open like, oh, man. You know, let him get away. And we hear, there's one drumming the exact same way he went. There's another one in there. It's the only one we heard drumming the whole trip. And uh, we all knew what it was. And I said, let's go to him. He's close. So we go in there, and I see this log on the ground, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's definitely the log he's on. He was definitely drumming right there. So I'm working the dogs around. They're kind of swinging around to my left, and uh, I'm watching this log, and I'm not paying attention to my dogs, which is stupid, stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just positive. I've already just got it in my head that this is the log. He's on this log somewhere, and I just can't see him. My dogs are working off to the right. There's another log that's, like, not as nice looking to me. I guess to a grouse, it looked much better. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a broke-off cedar that's laid down funny at an angle. Not just when you're picturing a grouse sitting on a log in a calendar, he's not on that log. He's on the log I'm looking at. Yeah, sure. And so I'm staring at this log, and I, I, I then I glance over at my dogs. I'm like, oh, they're really birdie over there by this other log. And then about that time, he, blew, he was on that log, the other log, like, 20 feet from where I should have been. But me slapping my mic, kind of the sound of that. Yeah, it just reminded you. me of that. The I, hair on I the had, back of your neck started Yeah, I had a, had a, had a, uh, what's that when you go to war and you come back and you have a flashback? <laughs> I had one of those flashbacks. But, uh, you're talking about the conversation. That's the second time in a month that you've referred bird hunting and war together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it is a war. It's a war on birds. Uh, the war on terror. Oh, man. Uh, talk about the conservation classic. Speaking of going to war. You uh, and I went to war. We went to, we went to war. We uh, Sam and I, we waited till the end of the day. We didn't get to shoot the full uh, course. We wound up shooting five-stand and uh, had a heck of a good run on five-stand. It was a great course we were hunt, or hunting. We were shooting at Hyatt's, Hyatt's Sporting Clays um, in Anson County. That's where the Conservation Classic was held. Um, that was my first time being there. I thought it was very nice. My first time being on that course as well. I wish I would have had time to have shot it. Not a sponsor, um, but – just some good folks. I, I thought they had a real, real well-run course, um, helpful staff, beautiful place, and I man, I I couldn't say enough nice stuff about about that course. Don't yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, nice we'll record a podcast out there soon. I think. Uh, okay, yeah. well that sounds good. Um, but anyways, after that, after everybody went through, had their good time, we you know raised a little money for conservation and had a safe shoot. Um, what was the winning team, Brian? They're from Southern States. Mm-hmm. Black yes. Church? Yes, yeah. Southern, Southern States. States. Yeah. Heck of a good group of shots. Mm-hmm. Those boys had it, had, it all, had it dialed in. I, I watched them about 10 minutes, yeah, and those, I didn't see them miss. Those boys all. had it dialed in. They had a professional setup, too. Mm-hmm. But anyways. We went to off the to the five stand. Yeah, we went and shot five stand. And you left me a little bit of an opening there. to I, try try, to I was trying to keep it interesting. Top man. of the, it was top all of the king. 
was all on purpose. Let's see. That's so not true. There was something on this five stand that there was this one. They called it the prayer. They called it the prayer. This one clay that was thrown three. Yeah, it was a batu. Three or four times they throw that. It was three times. Three times. Yeah. It's imp- so let's put it like this. It's impossible to hit with a typical skeet or improved cylinder choke tube mm-hmm. um, and trap loads. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you hit it, it's just because you got lucky. Yeah. It's, you're not going consist- to. time, By the time your pattern gets out there to it, it's, you know. You're it, not going to consistently break it's this It's the width clay. of this room. It was, so. it's just, it was unfair. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's a batu uh, clay. So it's a flat. So skeet, everybody knows how a skeet is mm-hmm. shaped. Yeah. So this these style of skeet are thrown um, instead of floating, you know, what would that be, horizontally. Mm-hmm. These are vertical, mm-hmm. and they're thrown vertically, and they go straight, basically straight up and straight back down. Mm-hmm. And they're really thin and heavy, so they go way far. Out up at what, 60? Yeah, run up into space. Yeah, the guy said it was a 40-yard shot. That guy was that guy was high. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I know what 40 yards looks like. Yeah. And well. that was, <laughs> the, the thrower, the cord to the thrower may have been 40 yards long, but it was thrown in another 50 yards yeah. the other direction. Mm-hmm. It was borderline. You could barely see it. Yeah. Um, so that clay was – we already discounted that clay right off the bat. So a five stand is you go through, you have a certain amount of shots at each spot, and then you rotate to the next. Four shots at each spot. Mm-hmm. Four shots at each spot, and you rotate to the next yep, little and station. Five, and you have five stations. So um, – You're shooting side by side. Everybody's taking a turn. Mm-hmm. Yep. 25 shots total. 25 shots total. It's, uh, it's generally – Five uh, at each. So it would be five and five, not four and five. Five times five is 25. Yeah. Five shots each. Yeah. Yep. I don't know why I said four. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's generally a um, – it's a single out of each thrower because you report get – Report pair. And then it's a report pair, which is the first bird comes out, you shoot. As soon as your gun goes off, the next bird comes yep. out. And then a true pair, which is when they both are thrown at the exact same time. Simultaneous, yeah. And then you got to break them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go through the whole thing, and they're coming out of different. There's there's like twenty throwers. Well, there's mm-hmm. actually eight. I think there's eight on that course, and they're coming from every direction. There's all different kinds of birds. There's regular skeet flying away, the easy ones. There's crossing ones. There's batus. There's rabbits bouncing across the ground. There's ones that come over your the top head. of your head. Yeah. There's ones that come out from underneath your feet. Uh-huh. Um, so it's a really five stands a really really fun way to hone in your hone in your skills um, on a course in a short amount of time. You shot twenty. Yeah, I went twenty, and I went eighteen. I think. Yeah, I went twenty, um, which I would have liked to have shot better, but I had to drop three with the long one. That's so the, that's the, the key. only way you were going to win. The only way you're going to shoot a perfect score is if you had an over under or a side by side, and one of the barrels was full choke. Yeah, it's the only way you were going to. Mm-hmm. Only way you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you know, you get one of those true pairs or something, and you have to you have to use that full choke on the first. You know, unless you cycle, you take out that full choke, and you're switching. Well, chokes. see, I think you just let it get out far enough with a full choke, mm-hmm. where you're not shooting such a golf ball. Yeah. But we were uh, we had Larry Hale shooting with us. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry shot pretty good for an antique shotgun. He yeah. was shooting. He was shooting an old pump. That was yeah. an old pump, yeah. model ten, I think is what he told me, or model twenty five. I can't remember. His old gun, though. But, uh, yeah, we got to shoot. All for Brian to shoot. Brian didn't take me up on it. No, I'd take pictures of y'all shooting. I was shooting you shooting. Shooting me shooting. I, do get, I did get to me and uh, my internal Leah. We got to shoot about 50 shells apiece on the course after y'all left, though. Oh, nice. I, I wish I had shot with y'all because I was actually hitting breaking, pretty good. Breaking yeah. some birds. Hitting pretty nice. good. I, 
I wouldn't have been able to keep up, but I would have liked to see how close oh, I could get. I don't know. You probably could have. You probably could have kept. Hyatt's, Hyatt's is pretty slick. That's worth a. That's again not a sponsor. Worth a check out. That that's a fun. Course. Sam, uh, what Sam was referring to with me giving him an opening was I was I was up before him. My turn was before his turn. He was directly after me. So we go the first couple of rounds, the first couple of stations without missing any, and uh, then I miss. I miss on a on a gimme. And Sam, I could see the the light in his eyes. He's like, "Oh yes, mm-hmm. see you, Cody." Mm-hmm. Then he misses it. Yeah. He misses right after me, the exact same. Yeah. <laughs> and I just looked at him. I was like, "Windows closed, bro." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fun. That's what's fun about it. You uh, you're competing with yourself, but you're uh, you've got buddies there. You can egg each other on a little bit, and it's fun. Give them, tell them it's a good shot when it's a good shot, and tell them they suck when they suck. That's right. It was a good event overall, though. Yeah, it was a great event. Everybody stayed alive. Everybody had a good time. Um, I can't uh, can't think of a better way to spend a Friday afternoon than busting clays. Give one more shout out to our caterer. Yeah. Oh, let me give a shout out. Go ahead. That's something I didn't do. So the caterer, not only did he cater a fine meal, um, probably some of the best fried chicken I've ever had. Hope you're not listening to that. Anybody who's ever cooked me fried chicken, but far as, famous fault. Far as catered fried chicken goes, wow. Yeah. Anyways, this caterer, fried chicken was awesome, barbecue was awesome, but uh, it was all said and done. Everybody's fat and happy. I swung back there to the kitchen, and I was like, look, man, I'm fixing to leave for a uh, big-time hunting trip. Sure would be nice if I had some fried chicken to take with. And he's like, uh, let me see what I can do. And I've got, he packed me a styrofoam thing so full of fried chicken. I had, I probably had five whole chickens in there <laughs> and two pounds of barbecue. That I towed it all the way to Michigan. And we ate fried chicken the first day on the way up. And when we got there, that's what we ate. Next day for lunch, we had two pounds of barbecue that we killed between three hungry guys. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the caterer was awesome. Way awesome. <laughs> he was uh, he was providing sustenance for my hunt. So, for the listeners, if anybody has got questions, I'd like to start doing a little bit more uh, pulling you all in and having some more interaction because um, we got a loyal listener base, shoot me an email if you got questions, and we if we get enough interest, we can we can just make a section of the show. I can screen through them. But That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, or once a that. month, do a Q and A uh, episode, which would be fine too. Yeah. Uh, so email me at Brian B R I A N mm-hmm. spelled the correct way uh, at Three Rivers Land Trust dot org. Yeah, and I think if there's any questions uh, spelled the correct way, yeah, my brother spells his. B R Y A N. How you like that? Uh, sorry for him. <laughs> I, uh, you know, th- if there's any questions about, you know, whether it be land management, whether it be about conservation, whether it be about public lands, uh, hunting, the outdoors, um, music, music, or natural sciences, whatever. Maybe if we don't have the answer, we have a network of people that we can ask, and and we'll come up with a good answer for you. So yeah, shoot them an email, and we'll we'll do our best to answer it. Yeah, men's fashion. Yeah, I, I, tend, I tend to be pretty knowledgeable on that topic. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. It's hunting season. It's here. It's on. Everybody, be safe. Have a good time. And get out and enjoy the woods in North Carolina and the swamps and the prairies and wherever you're going. Enjoy it. We're going to be doing the same, and we look forward to talking with you next week and um, telling more stories. So thank you. If you're like us, you're riding down the road listening to the podcast on your commute. 
when you get to where you're going, don't forget. Like us on Facebook. Check us out at our website, threeriverslandtrust.org. There you can find out about all the events we're putting on, all the conservation work we're doing, how you can get involved, and how you can help. We'd love to meet like-minded individuals and get you involved in conservation. Till next time.